Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. All right, if you have a Bible, you can go to 3 John. I've never preached from this book before, so hopefully it goes all right. All right, so it's all the way at the end. Oh, Jermaine's waving at me at the back. If you've got babies that are signed into Hope Kids, you can send them. Jermaine will take them down. So 3 John, this is the last message in our series called Just So You Know. And before we get into it, I want to review uh, the objectives of our local church, just so you know. Here, here they are. We want to we wanna spread the message of the gospel. We want to shepherd one another to maturity in Christ. We want to show mercy in our community. Jermaine talked about that last week. We want to strategically multiply our ministry. We want to make sure we give people opportunities and grow the work by the Spirit's leading. And then this last one, we want to support missionaries near and far. We want to support missionaries near and far. And I didn't plan to do this, but I'm just going to do it right on the spot because I see at least one of them in our church. If you are a missionary that's near, because you're a part of our church, could you just stand up right now? Come on, Victor. Yeah, I saw you. Okay, Vic in the back. A couple of them are not here today, but let's give Victor some love. But we want to support missionaries near and far. See, when it comes to supporting missionaries as a church, we want to be in the game. Now, J. Cole said, sometimes in life, (laughs) I can tell I was listening to hip hop this week, sometimes in life, you wish there were guidelines to help you stay up off the sidelines. Well, this text, when it comes to supporting missionaries, gives us those guidelines that we are looking for. It shows us how to actually do it to make sure we're in the game. So if you've got third John, say, I got it. All right, it says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Now he says, Beloved. Now to find out who John is calling Beloved, you actually got to go backwards. Go back to verse 1. It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in the truth. This was John's friend, another brother in the faith. He says, I love him in the truth. There was real affection between them. And he says, he was actually good to missionaries. He says, when the missionaries who went out came back, it says that they testified to your love. And then he says, strangers as they are. What does that tell you? Gaius didn't even know them. He didn't know them, but when he ran into them, he showed them love. And I want you to know that. When you give a missionary your support, you are showing them love. You are showing them that they matter. You are showing them that you appreciate the work that they are doing. That phrase, efforts. 
in verse 5 tells you that active love is a labor of fortitude. It takes effort to love a person. It takes endurance to love a person. Just think about that in your life. The people sometimes you're struggling to love them. It's a labor of fortitude. Gaius, he, he opened his home. He showed them hospitality. He, he gave them something to eat. He shared his food. And he provided for them a place to rest. Here's what I want you to know from this. The, the, the goods that God has given you, the things that God has blessed you with, he has given them to you to do good to do good to others. What you see here is a brother who loved in deed and in truth. Active. Praise him for what he did in the past and he tells him what he wants him to do in the present. Verse six again. He says, they testified to your love before the church. So they spoke out. They said, this is the love that he showed us. Then he says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That phrase, you will do well, is a command. But you don't catch it, but in sort of the Greek, it's very gentle. He says, you will do well. It's a gentle command. See, you can get people to do what you want by being bullish and pushing them around. But if you do it long enough, you'll be standing all by yourself. If gentleness, if you see John here, what this text tells you, he's, he knows how to talk to people. And some people, they just, they're like, I can, why can't I ever get anybody to do what I want? Because you don't know how to talk to anybody. And if you do it long enough, people will stop respecting you. They'll stop listening to you. They will stop trusting you. They'll stop wanting to be around you. And so there's a gentleness that the Bible wants us to speak with. And then he says that you you would do well to send them, sorry, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That phrase, to send them, could be translated, send them forth. Now I'm going to try to put on my smart hat here. In the Greek, the verb is propempo. Let me say it again, because you don't know how to say it either. Propempo. Propempo, it means to send them with money. It means to send them with the supplies and the materials they need to actually do the work, to send them with money. That's what it means. And this phrase is like a match struck in the dark because what it does is it shows us the right way to think about money. That God gives it to you to meet your needs. He gives it to you to bless others, and he gives it to you to advance his mission. And anytime money comes up in church, sometimes people get tight. And honestly, sometimes as a preacher, I'm like, I don't want to do the money message. But here's the thing. The money that you have is not yours. The money that I have is not mine. It's on loan. You're a steward. God gives it to you, yes, to meet your needs. But he also gives it to you to get involved in what he is doing in the world. I'll keep looking at the lights flashing on. Just look at me. To advance his mission. Then it says, send them in a manner worthy of God. Do you know what that means? It means you give, you give to them generously like God. 
Send them in a manner worthy of God. Be generous when you support a missionary like God. Give them what they need. Here's the thing you got to realize with God. When God gave to us, he didn't hold back. God gave us his best. He gave us his son in a world full of liars. He gave us the truth. God gives us what we need. And we are to do the same to those who are going out to advance and spread the message. When you give a missionary your support, you're showing them love. Now I want to give you some reasons why you should do it. Their motive is right. The missionary motive is right. Look at verse 7. It says, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. They have gone out for the sake of the name. Now I want you to notice, John doesn't mention the name. You ever notice that? So when you read John sometimes, he'll, he'll say something, and then he like won't finish it. If you read the Gospels, you're like, what are you saying, bro? But he doesn't mention the name because there's only one name. It's the only name that saves. It's the name above all names. It's the name that every single person on earth one day will bow to. They went out for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. And this part of the text challenges us, members and missionaries. Because here's the thing, it forces you to ask the question, why do I do the things that I do in my life? It forces you to ask and check your motives. Why do I do what I do? If I get up and I decide to do something today for somebody or just for my, why am I doing it? Am I doing it for the glory of Jesus Christ or am I doing it for the glory of me? Their motive is right. What's your motive? What's my motive in doing things? There's next one. Their reliance on God is beautiful. Their reliance is, there's another reason to support. Their reliance is beautiful. It says that they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles there just means non-Christians. That's all it means. People who are not in the faith. Now, this is not saying, let me be clear, that a missionary can accept support from a non-Christian. If somebody's willing to give to the work because even if they're like, I don't believe, but I appreciate you, take it. That's okay. What it's saying is they didn't go there for their support. That wasn't their first move. They trusted that God would provide for their needs through his people. They relied on God. See, the missionaries here in this text, they show us that one of the first steps to seeing God provide for you is moving forward by faith. Think about it. I know some of you got certain things in your life, decisions you got to make, things you got to do, and you're just like, mm, I don't know. What if it doesn't all work out? Just take a step. Just go forward by faith and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to walk and I'm going to trust you to take care of the details. I believe you are God who provides. I believe that you are good. I believe that you're watching over me. I believe that you care about me. I believe that you will not leave me hanging. And as I go forward in faith, knowing that you are a faithful and a good God who I can trust, you will meet my needs because he will. And all you got to think about is the greatest need in your life. He met it, right? 
Jesus, you didn't go looking for God. He came looking for you. And he met that need. Here's this next one. This is what God expects from us. Let me say it again so I, you make sure you hear. When you, when you show a missionary support, you are doing what God expects from you. We are doing what God expects from us. You're like, prove it, Marv. Fine. Verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. That, sorry, verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. See the phrase? Just circle it. Ought to. I googled what it meant. It, meant, it means just doing it. Doing, it's an obligation. Supporting a missionary is not an optional Christian action. It is an essential Christian obligation. It's what we're responsible to do. And then it says, when we play our part, notice what it says in the text, we become fellow workers for the truth. You become a person who is actively helping the truth go forward and spread in the world. We all have a part to play. A smart guy I read this week said, every Christian has a, responsible, a responsibility to work for the cause of the truth. And the extent to which we are prepared to do so, whatever it may cost us, may be the most reliable indicator of the depth of our believing. Let me, say, let me just read it again. Whatever it may cost us, may be the most reliable indicator of the depth of our believing. One of the greatest joys of Christian dedication is Christian teamwork. I told the first thing was one of our objectives was we want to spread the message. Here's, here's how we come kind of full circle. One person can't do that all by themselves. For the, the work that God is doing in the world requires teamwork. We all have a part to play. You may not go, but you can actually give. We all have a part to play. Here's the last one. Here's why you want to show them love. Their challenges are real. Their challenges are real. Look at verse 9. It says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who, wants to, who, uh, stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Verse 1, you meet this guy named Gaius. Verse 3, you meet this guy named Diotrephes. And let me tell you, he gets a cameo, and it's for a bad reason. He's a bad leader with a bad legacy. Let's just break him down because I want you to see it. He thinks he's accountable to no one. It's in the text. He does not acknowledge our authority. He's prideful. Here's a leader who has forgotten that God opposes the proud. One of the things you always got to watch in your life is, am I... Am I humble or am I becoming drifting towards pridefulness? Because when you drift into pride, what you're saying is, I don't want God on my side. 
Humility is what is supposed to characterize us because that's what characterizes our King, Jesus Christ. Here's this next one. He gossips about people trying to love these missionaries. It says that he is talking wicked nonsense. Again, the Greek verb here means to babble incoherently. So what he's saying is, what the text is saying is, what he's saying about John and the other people trying to help the missionaries, there is no basis whatsoever for what he's saying. It's all nonsense. When you fact check it, there's nothing true to it. People who are obsessed with personal power will always try to discredit their opponents by any means. Let me say it again. People who are obsessed with personal power, where all they want is power, all they want is to hold on to it, all they want is to be able to push some people around. As soon as somebody stands up and says, what you're doing is wrong, they will actively try to discredit them using any means. Why? Because they just are trying to protect themselves. They care about no one. It's an, it's, it's their, their focus, their lens is only me. And it's satanic. He wouldn't pra- practice hospitality. It says that he refuses to welcome the brothers. Instead of being warm and welcoming, he is cold and he is mean. He cuts off anyone who didn't take his side says that he put them out of the church. He hindered the work. That's what's going on here. He hinder, he's like, oh, you want to love those people? No. No, no, no. I, I'm here showing them hate. You should join me in that. And, if, and they look at them and they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And he, and he says he actively, whatever power he, he removed them, put them outside. He caused pain. I want you to think about this, right? We always try to slow down and just think about where we are. Think about how these, these missionaries probably felt. You go out, I'm trusting that God is going to provide. I'm trusting that God is going to look after me. And you go into a town and then you get there and the person who should be helping you, the person who should show you love, says no. And then other people are trying to show you love. And then he actively looks to hurt them and ridicule them and move them aside. The hurt was real. See, the missionaries went out for the sake of the name. Remember that? They went out with a good motive. Diotrephes is only concerned with the glory of his name. He's anti-God. That's what he is. That's why John says he likes to put himself first. Think about this. He's the opposite of Jesus. He liked to put himself first. Jesus was willing to take the lowest place to raise us up. God wants us to pay attention to a guy like this. That's why I tried to go slow. He wants you to pay attention. Because here's why. Any of us, myself included, Any of us can begin to behave like this. Do you know that? Sometimes you look and you're like, oh, I'd never. No, it's not true. If the Spirit doesn't hold us, guide us, if we're not keeping in step with the Spirit every day, listening and sensing and, and trusting His guidance, you and I could be in this spot like that, like that. 
very quickly. And on a Thursday morning, I was making pancakes for the boys before they went to school, and I was just trying to think, God, if I can be in this spot, because I've seen moments of pride in my life. Maybe you're not like me. You don't struggle with pride ever, but I've seen it in my life. And as I was sort of flipping the pancakes and whatever, I wasn't really flipping them. I was just looking at them. I was just like, God, how, how do we avoid behaving like this? If you want us to pay attention to a person like this, who is not loving at all, loves himself and nobody else, how do we avoid behaving like this? Then the Spirit gave these things. He says, remember when you're prideful, I said it already, God is against you. Your prayers are not heard. People are usually getting hurt. You're usually just really forming a habit that is going to be very, very hard to break over time. When you're prideful, God is against you. Remember that when you slander and hurt others, it destroys unity and causes them long-lasting pain. Words hurt. Martin Luther King said, when it comes to slander, it only puts more darkness in an already dark world with a night devoid of stars. We got to think about our words and think about the damage they can do and how we speak. Here's this next one. Remember that when you practice hospitality, it reminds people that they matter. That's just, that's just a general application for our church. That just, just welcomes somebody into you. That person who look, they look lonely. They're always kind of standing by themselves. They never say, just go over and say, hey, you, let, let's talk. You want to you come over? We can go to the Columbus Bakery up there. They got empanadas and everything. We'll just pick something up and just invite them in. Remember that coming under authority is biblical and sometimes it protects you from yourself. I'm going to say it because you should write it down. Coming under authority is biblical. We live in a culture where it's just like, I don't want to be accountable to anyone. That's ungodly. Coming under authority is biblical. And it will protect you from yourself. We need people who are humble, who we trust, who we are inviting them to speak into our life and to watch over us. Because we don't always see things clear. Sometimes you end up in a spot like this and somebody who has some level of authority using it in a gentle and loving way, yes, comes to you and says, what are you doing over here? When we look at the scripture, you should be over here. And we need to be willing to say, you're right. Humble and accepting that. Coming under authority is biblical. Diatrephes left a bad legacy. Bad leader with a bad legacy. Here's the question. What kind of legacy are you leaving? If you're wondering, like, what part of the passage, you know, every, you know, every week a preacher's like, there's things in here, and then there's one that sort of, like, hits you in the face. This was mine. What kind of legacy, Marv, are you leaving in the world? 
If we opened up the pages of history, what would it say about Rochelle Watt? What would it say about Dave's song? What would it say about Joanne Isaac? I almost said your other last name. I got it right. What would it say? And sometimes we don't stop and think about that. As you're going about your business, as you're living your life, do you actively ask yourself the question, if my life ended today, because it could, what kind of legacy would I be leaving? Would I leave one like Gaius, where somebody could follow the example that I have left? Or would I be leaving one like Diatrephes, where my cameo would be a bad one? Do I want to leave a legacy that's powerful, that people are willing to follow, that would be held up as an example? My prayer and my hope is that that's what's in your heart. That you would want to leave a legacy that when people looked at your life, it said that person trusted God. It said that person loved their neighbor, believer or unbeliever. That's what would be written of you. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Do you want a life that matters and counts for something? What do you want to leave? Do you want it to be a legacy that says that person supported the saints? That person supported the work of God in the world? That person loved the missionary? That person was actively about advancing the gospel, not advancing themselves. You live in a world, I live in a world that's always telling me to advance yourself. I'm telling you, one of the struggles of being a pastor in this church is that there are so many pastors who all they're thinking about is, how can I make myself bigger and better? How can I make more people follow me? And they're standing there saying, I'm about following the king. And that is a real temptation. And the question is, what do you want to be remembered for? And you're like, you're really pressing this button because you're going to die. I'm pressing it because you will not be here forever. We are, death is for sure, trust me. Like Morgan, like taxes, right? It's, you're gonna have it. And so ask yourself, when it's all said and done, and maybe you'll be here till Jesus comes back. You're saying, fine. <laughs> but they're still going to put a screen up of your life. It's, it's going to be tested by fire, the Bible says. And what will it say? Will your works last or will they burn up? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I hope that it's one that's powerful, meaningful, and brings glory to God. Pray for me. That's the one I want to leave. Let me say a couple more things. Then we can sing and go home about this text. Here's this one. Sometimes the people you expect to help you are the ones that are standing against you. Yeah, oh yeah. What did we say a couple of times? It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. That's how I felt when the brothers were up here singing. Sometimes the people you expect to help you are the ones standing against. That's a sad reality of life. And it's, it's from the text. The missionaries went out expecting help from somebody who proclaimed to be a believer, and that person was against them. And I want to say to the members and missionaries of our church, if, that, if you're experiencing that in your life, 
tell us. If you're like, I, I expected love from a person, and they're opposed, we want, to work, we want to support you, walk with you. And I also want you to understand that when people are opposing you, and you've done nothing wrong, God is for you. You've done nothing wrong. God is even actively now working to provide for you and make it right. Here's the thing about God. He just doesn't abandon his kids. You're a child of the king. He's going to look after you. And so you endure in the struggle. Here's this next one. If someone is misusing their power and position, help them by confronting them. If someone is misusing, even in this church, misusing their power and position. Help them by confronting them. Again, it's from the text. John says, when I come, I will bring up what he is doing. He says, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to stand in the corner. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug. I'm not going to hope that this guy figures it out. It's like, we are going to bring up what he is doing. Here's why, to protect people. And to protect entities. Leaders like this one destroy people and destroy entities. And so he says, I'm going to speak. I'm going to bring up. Here, let me give you some principles, though. If you're like, I'm going to talk privately, humbly, because we could be there ourselves. Be specific. Notice in the text, he's specific. Talking wicked nonsense. Be specific. Don't just, just like, mm, I kind of feel, I kind of think. No, here's a factual thing that happened that cannot be argued with. So we can get somewhere. Be specific. Here's this last one. Do it without sinning. Okay, no, oh, let me say it again. I heard Henry in the back. He said amen. Maybe it's because the mask is on. Do it without sinning. Do it without singing. Sinning. I'm going to say singing. Do it without sinning. Amen. We don't want to sin. Again, sometimes we, we get hurt, and in the anger, we're like, what? it's whatever. I, just, I could just explode. No, you got to pray and ask the Spirit to help you so that in speaking, you are keeping in step with the Spirit. You are, you are exhibiting a fruit of the Spirit, self-control to help that person get right. Next one. Sometimes leaders in the church end up at odds. These are two leaders. They're at odds. You're like, why are you showing that? Because I want you to pray for the leaders of our church. We have a good church. It's a healthy church. Our leaders get along. We like each other. Me and Sean are real cool. We laugh all the time. One of my boys. Yogi was my old small group leader, so he rebukes me regularly. It's healthy. It's good. But you got to pray that it stays that way. Because one of the things that can slow down us achieving our objective, one of the things that can get in the way of spreading the message, of shepherding each other to maturity, of multiplying our ministry, of showing mercy in our community, I'm trying to remember them, of, of supporting missionaries, is... Elders, deacons, small, whatever it is, at odds. We can get so busy trying to fix the problems in the leadership that we actually are not doing the work. And we don't want that in our church. And so you pray for us 
And if you see something that's concerning, speak to us. We're all responsible, is what I'm trying to tell you, for keeping the flock healthy. Sometimes in church life, we can be like, oh, it's just the leaders. No, leaders and the members together. That's how a church stays healthy. Here's this next one. The way to resolve conflict is by dealing with it, not retreating from it. When there's an issue, don't run. Unless you're running to deal with it. Talk. John didn't run from the problem. He actually writes a letter about the problem. And he says, when I come, I'm going to talk to him. He goes and deals with the issue. When you retreat from conflict, you are peacekeeping. When you go to resolve a conflict, you are peacemaking. There's a difference. And some of us, because of the fear of man, we are very good peacekeepers. But we're full of anxiety and anger and unforgiveness and we just need to say, God, would you give me the strength? Maybe I, if I need to get an advocate with me, fine, and go deal with that issue because I actually want to have peace. I want to be able to walk into a room and see that person and it's not a thing. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. We want to be a church of peacemakers and that takes work, takes courage. Last one, the challenges missionaries face sometimes come from unexpected places. See, when a missionary goes out, he usually expects that the challenges are out there, outside. But this text shows you that sometimes the challenges are right inside. That it's an unexpected place. And that's why missionaries need our support. Because it tells them, even though somebody is opposing you, there are people here who appreciate you. There are people here who love what you're doing, who love that you have gone out for the sake of the name. They appreciate that your motive is right. And here's the thing. When you show this kind of support, you know what it does? It helps a missionary to keep going in the work, to keep doing good and not giving up. Here's why. Because they know that in due season, they will reap if they do not give up. We want to be a church that supports missionaries near and far. Here's why. Because it's biblical. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you praise for the word. Lord, you have provided it for us, for us to open it up, to come under it, to listen to it, to let it speak, to let it help, to let it guide. We want that in our life. We want that in our church. Father, I pray specifically right now for Victor, because he's dead right in front of me, just that he would not give up in the work. For Henry, that he and Jess would not give up in the work, Lord, that they would endure. And I pray, Lord God, that as a church, we would do a better job of rallying around them and supporting them. 
encouraging them in the faith, building them up, Lord God, telling them to keep going because they're bringing glory to your name, because they're being a beautiful example to us of what it means to live by faith, of what it means to look at others and say, you have a need and I'm willing to step out to see if through me, God would meet that need, the need for salvation, the need to know how you are loved. And so I pray, Lord God, that this would be a church, we'd be a church family that doesn't talk about just having objectives, that we would be a church family that we do them. Lord God, because they're right from scripture, because that's what you want for us. You don't want bigness, Lord God, for the sake. You want a church that is committed to bringing glory to your name, that is committed to exalting you. If our name fades away, so be it, Lord. And so we pray that you would help us, not just to talk about those things, but to be about them. And so I pray that, Lord God, as we wrap up talking about our objectives, you would help us as a church, members and leaders, to think about how to do them better, how to do them in a way that brings you glory. Help us, God. We're all responsible. I pray that the teamwork here would increase that the love for each other would go deep, that the commitment to your glory would be what we're known for. Help us, oh God, we pray. Help us endure. Help the missionaries in our midst endure. God, knowing that you will get us through everything, we will get to the end. And we pray our lives will bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.